Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon and today... I've got a very special guest. I'm joined by Greg Jennings. Yes, indeed. The Super Bowl champion and two-time NFL Pro Bowler is gracing the Yahoo virtual set today. <laughs> Greg, how's it happen? What's going on, man? It's it's happening. It's happening well. And it everything in life is going on. Swinging at every pitch life is throwing at us. Yeah, well, it's throwing a lot of curveballs, I would say, <laughs> lately this year. We were talking a little bit before we uh, we got started about, you know, remoting into shows and everything. Now, I've got this big, stupid monitor here for, like, our digital sets. You've got your jerseys back there. But we're doing what we can to provide the people, our listeners, our viewers, with, with some great content. So I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to pick Greg's brain about, you know, with me, study the wide receiver position. I'm going to get a little dorky here with Greg about that. Really want to pick his brain on routes and everything. I'll explain all that later, but... And we're going to talk. We're going to talk fitness too. Two of my two favorite subjects here. But before we jump in all that, I think we got to kind of start talking about you know the state of this offseason. Greg, an NFL veteran, you know he you've you've seen a lot. But I would imagine that this is probably one of the most unprecedented times uh, in the NFL. Can you remember an offseason from your career where you felt like you know obviously nothing like this. There's no global pandemic, but. A time when you like couldn't train the way you usually uh, could, and how did it affect your season? You know, no, um, never an off season, anything remotely close that I can even think of. You know, in 2011, uh, 20 going in 2011, 2012 season, the year after we won the Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers, um, we had the lockout, and our season as from a scheduling standpoint as far as team activities and OTAs and um, just the ability to get together in the off-season program, that was altered. But my training regimen, everything was still in place. It was intact. Um, and I think it benefited myself as well as other guys to have those tailored, customized workouts and training regimens uh, for yourself versus, you know, a generalized uh, going to the weight room and do this program for everyone. Um, but this year with obviously COVID and everything that we've experienced, even with the unrest, just things have just been different for yeah. athletes, for us all um, as individuals and in how we go about our day to day. And I think guys, 
you will really see those guys who have been dedicated and committed to their crafts. It will show up. It will definitely show up because you were at least prohibited in some way, um, but not completely uh, eliminated from accessing weights or training. It might have been altered, but you could definitely get it in somehow. And I think we'll see that surface more than anything. And it's weird because from one angle, you know, this is these guys' jobs, just like it was yours. You know, this is their career. This is, like you said, their craft that they've been building. But in a weird way, it's like I almost can't blame anybody if they weren't fully dedicated this offseason, right? Because not just because of everything that's going on with the pandemic, like you mentioned, social unrest and everything. There's a lot of uh, I don't want to use the word distraction, but there's a lot of other things to think about right now. So I almost couldn't really blame anybody if they're if they were kind of, you know, not completely dialed in to football. Mm-hmm. Hell, it, like studying football is my job. And I don't think I've been as dialed in this offseason as I've been uh, because of everything going on. So. One thing I, I like we typically shoot around some of these tropes in the fantasy football world, you know, like these guys might be better prepared to deal with this, uh, this truncated offseason are rookies particularly at a big disadvantage. What do you think about uh, who, who's kind of going to have an edge in this year? Is it, is it really a bad year to be expecting a lot from rookies or guys changing teams? So the interesting part about this, and I've thought about this. Um, rookies, the only disadvantage that they will have had is actually being a part of an offseason program um, where they can actually physically be a part of plays and sets and film study uh, in person. That all took place virtually via Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever teams decided to do. Um, but I honestly think that rookies are going to be better off than mm-hmm. your in a, a lot of NFL veterans. And here is why. When you when you're a veteran, you know what to expect. You have a routine. And yes, you're going to be performing your your day to days and your customized programs. Um, however, you you have this this subtle sense of complacency and entitlement mm. Hmm. That that tends to creep in and you have to fight that every single day. And Tom Brady is the only player that I've ever known and we've ever really seen that has truly been able to manipulate himself mentally to go wake up every day and say, oh, I got to start over. Reboot. Reboot. None of what happened yesterday has ever happened. None of the accolades, none of the, the trophy, nothing. And to be able to do that. In a global pandemic where, as you just alluded to, it gives you every reason to say, you know what, let me focus on this for a moment. Let me let me shelf this and let me pay attention to this. Veterans, guys with kids, married, who's who are already established, tend to kind of sit back in that seat a little more comfortably Mm. than a rookie would because they're trying to establish themselves as the guy or a guy. And so they're going to be out working. They All they know is I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to work. I got to show this. Right. I got to be ready when I get there. So their mindset is a lot more locked in. Um, and I, I, I can't say that for every single veteran, obviously. Sure. But I think for the majority, you're going to have a lot more rookies that are going to really be dialed in 
because this is something they they don't know any other thing right now. They don't mm. know the NFL life. They don't know the NFL offseason. They don't know anything other than what they've experienced even up to now. And that's been the their norm. A, a global pandemic right. has been what they've walked in and been introduced to the NFL as a norm. Virtual virtual Skypes and Zooms and what have you. So I think the rookies are are going to actually fare relatively well. Yeah, that is totally I hadn't thought of that at all. Like because as you mentioned, like we as human beings just all get onto the routine and you know, we just do the same thing, especially NFL players, you know, do the same thing every offseason. Mm-hmm. This is the ramp up time. Again, even in like my profession covering the league it's like i'm totally thrown off because usually by now we've had reports of otas we've had reports of all this other stuff we're just in a completely different phase of existence but for the rookies like you mentioned that's all they know i have generally thought that rookie receivers i think would be at a big disadvantage just because they haven't had that time to build up the chemistry with the quarterback or, or whatever but maybe i'm totally wrong about that is there you know, rookie receiver that you look at out there that might have a chance to to make that immediate impact because of this advantage that they might have. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you're wrong about that assessment. Like when it comes sure. to rookies um, being able to step in and play and play at a high level right away, it is important for them to have that chemistry and to just develop some form of relationship. Um, but I think. A few rookies that come to mind at the receiver position that are that I feel that will be able to step into a role and make an impact right away is uh, obviously C.D. Lamb. You know, he's 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 been the kind of the one that everyone's talked about. Uh, Then you have um, uh, the kid in uh, with the 49ers. uh, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk. Yes. Brandon Ayuk, who. And maybe I'm a little biased. He reminds me a little bit of myself. Interesting. Uh, uh, just the way he goes about his business, the way he runs his route, his ability to catch the ball and make things happen after the plays. But having a quarterback that is going to be dependent on your skill set after you catch the ball versus you just being so starstruck and making sure that your timing is is on point, your depth and all of those things are locked in. I think he's going to have one of the greatest impacts because he's going into a situation where he has an offensive coordinator where they're going to put him in positions to succeed mm-hmm. and to be open. They run the ball better than anyone, arguably, but outside of the Ravens. And we look at we look at what that provides as a young receiver one-on-one opportunities, matchups where a young guy like that who, if you can get the ball in his hands quick, which is what uh, the 49ers like to do with their receivers, and they're not a big shot play team and all of that down the field. They like to get their balls in the receiver's hands between that uh, 6 to 10, 6 to 12-yard range and let them work. I think he can be very, very special and have a great, quick impact on that roster. There's opportunity, too, because of Debo Samuel's offseason injury. Uh, you no know, he question. Can, 
he could certainly step into a starting spot right away. And that's a that's an interesting thing. Another thing I hadn't thought of is like some of these guys, you know, studying the receiver position on my end, uh, I do a series called Reception Perception where I track every single route that receivers run over a, uh, a it's an eight game sample. So I've been doing this since 2014. Unfortunately, Greg didn't get a lot of your prime years in there, but maybe someday <laughs> I can go back and put a little Reception Perception profile on Greg Jennings. But it's essentially trying to, isolate the wide receiver from all the outside factors because you know you know this as a wide receiver you guys are so dependent on other factors to to accrue production and you know people will throw around stats but you know you have to have the quarterback deliver you an accurate ball the offensive line protect for you guys so I think the one thing that the receiver control can control is do they run a good route do they get separation everything like that but in a scheme like the 49ers, it's interesting because they do scheme these guys open. They get them free, uh, you know, free releases from the slot or against zone coverage. And then I think that does put Brandon Ayuk at an, at an advantage because he doesn't have to build the timing and the chemistry exactly. with a quarterback. Exactly. And you're spot on. When, you, when your route isn't predicated on timing every time you line up, you have the ability and the liberty, if you will, to get open. Yeah. And one thing receivers love when they're shifty, like Brandon Ayuk, just give me an opportunity to beat my guy and mm-hmm. create that separation. And even if I don't, give me a chance to make a play. And I think that's what he's going to experience is opportunities where we're not just lined up and set up in a set formation all the time where defenses mm-hmm. can have a beat. And I think that's the one thing that I'm going to be really locked in to see with C.D. Lamb because knowing Mike McCarthy um, and knowing even what the Dallas Cowboys like to do, they don't shift a lot. They don't motion right. a lot. You know, and a a lot of the reason why is because they want to see what's in front of them and they want to have that running back uh, be able to identify where he needs to pick up the 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 blitzer or if he needs to help. What's a lot of that comes into play. And so you put those those receivers in a locked position and it allows for a lot more timing to come into that play. Whereas you put a receiver in motion and you have a set route, that is the most comfortable, that is the most, that is the best place to be as a receiver, knowing this play is for me. I have time to get open. There's no stress. And Brandon Ayuk will definitely have that ability. Yeah, I think you look at uh, receivers on the Rams like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Sean McVay does such a great job of scheming those guys like just the the free releases, getting them open against zone. And I mean, it's just like totally different than when you're out there playing like X receiver. So I think about, you know, the rookies who might have to step into that role right away. That might be a slower burn, a slower transition. Guys like Jerry Judy, who are very timing based with their routes, Mm -hmm. they might take a little bit of a longer ramp up than someone like Ayoka. Or maybe even another guy I think of is like LaVisca Chenault is another player in Jacksonville that could get those schemed touches as well. I've started to kind of think like he might have a better rookie season than I initially thought. Yeah, you you mentioned Jerry Judy and I I look at him and because of the the roster and and just the lack of of other guys that are going to yeah. take attention away he's got he might he may struggle yeah he may struggle it's not a knock on him i think uh, it, it would be impressive if he comes out just blazing 
because mm-hmm. he's going to gain and garner a lot of attention because he's he's the focal point, which is why right. you see they drafted a lot of receivers. They la- drafted yeah. a lot of speed because they understand, look, we need guys and they are young. We need guys that can get up and down the field, that can be interchangeable, if you will, um, that gives us an opportunity for our quarterback to be successful on so many different levels and in a variety of ways. But again, you talk about the free releases and there there was there was a time where um, when I think about, you know, the Cooper Cups and the Robert Woods and just the Sean McVay ideology of making sure their their receivers are uninhibited in getting giving them the best opportunity to free release. Yeah. It was it was frowned upon. <laughs> like it I'm so I'm so serious. It was like, oh you got a free release just to get off the line? Uh no I don't have to, but if I could if I have the option, <laughs> yeah, I want it. Yeah, I, right. I, I want, you know, yeah. if you if you tell me I can run in motion and now the defender backs off and I can just run straight uh, give me that every time, please, offensive coordinator. Thank you. It, yeah, it, no it, it, it eliminates that timing and eliminates that ability to be impeded at the point of attack, where, which is where a lot of rookie receivers or a lot of receivers in general oh, yeah. struggle. Yeah, And that's where the route is won at the start of the route on the line of scrimmage and at the top of the route. Yep. No, to totally agree. Uh, like I said, I think I've charted over 60,000 routes over the last uh, six years. So I've spent a lot of time on this. So I'm glad to hear you say that because it's so frustrating to watch teams that just, you know, and we're way we're way off the path here. But like it's so frustrating to watch teams just throw these guys out there on the line of scrimmage, not move them around. Um, I always mention Allen Robinson because he's one of my favorite receivers. He's like a in reception perception. The series I talk about, he's one of the guys who's popped for years back mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. They just would keep him isolated at that X spot, never yeah. move him around. Matt Nagy's done a pretty good job of like moving him into the slot. And I think him and Anthony Miller this year could be a really interesting duo for sure. Yeah, you think about you think about where Matt Nagy comes from and that Andy Reid philosophy of creating opportunities for one-on-one op- opportunities for guys that can uh, really, really just light it up. And yeah. Whether it's Tyreek Hill, whether it's uh, McCall Harmon, whether it's Travis Kelsey, whether it's Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, all these guys, like you put them in motion, you give them opportunity to see the see the defense assess the defense and know what they're in whether it's cover three cover covers cover two quarters man to man or zone like Mm -hmm. that is an advantage for the receiver that is an advantage for the quarterback that is an advantage for protection it is an advantage ultimately for your offense so when 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 teams and and for us, I, I go back and I know we're off the beaten path again. But when oh, I was it's all Green, good. We do it. When I was in Green here, Bay, <laughs> one of the one of the knocks on us uh, coming from cornerbacks and defenders was, man, you guys just line up. The one thing that we did that was very unique, hmm. we were all interchangeable. Yeah. So so we could line up, but we would all be in different positions. You know, right. I was the X primarily, but I could line up at Z. I could line up in the slot. I could line up in the boundary. And yeah. and with, and Aaron, he didn't like bunches. He didn't like a lot of motion because he wanted the defense to to make their adjustments 
to identify what they wanted to do so he can then know. And we all saw it. And it was great. Yeah. It works for us. But a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of offensive coordinators understand that, look, if I can get a beat on whether it's man or zone, because defenses are getting they get a lot of pressure with just four guys down linemen yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to be able to identify are they bringing somebody or they're not. Yeah, I think it's great that you you bring up that e- example like of the Chiefs because I think Patrick Mahomes could go out and do like if if Andy Reid wanted to, Andy Reid wanted to make his life hard, he could and Mahomes would probably be great, but why not make uh life a little easier on everybody? Um and Miller's one of my favorite sleepers this year like late rounds in fantasy, so I think that's a that's a good point to bring up <laughs> as well. Um when we talk about these offenses, since we're on this subject that do move guys around, you know, do all that motion, I think everybody thinks of the Ravens last year, the Rams, as we're talking about, and the 49ers, as you mentioned. Is there another team when you look around the league that might be kind of trying to fit into that mold as well that people aren't thinking about yet? Um, to be honest, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they do a good okay. job of, of motioning, bunching guys up. Um, crossing guys, a lot of crossing patterns, as well as uh, the, I would say the Minnesota Vikings, but now mm. that their offensive coordinator has gone on to the Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. and taken the head the coaching job there, Cleveland is going to be a team that's going to be very interesting to watch with the talent they have at receiver, with the offensive mindset that is br- being brought over to where guys are going to cross, come in motion, zip in motion, zoom out just to get a beat on what's going on. And you got to understand anytime you have a young quarterback or a talented quarterback and everyone always thinks that let's just let him like you just said about Patrick Mahomes he is good enough to let him line up under center and just let him figure it out right but if you can assist them and make life easier with the caliber talent that these quarterbacks possess Baker Mayfield is no (laughs) slouch like he's not Patrick Mahomes but he's a talented quarterback. And if you can slow the game down for them, start to bring these guys in motion and put them in different sets and bunches and, and groupings, life is going to be that much cr- more crystal clear. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, I look at what Kirk Cousins did last year. I actually just wrote an article on this a couple of weeks ago. And it's such to me, it's such a perfect fit for what Baker Mayfield can do. You know, I think his play action, his yards per attempt or his completion percentage on play action was 10 percentage points higher than it was on non-play action plays last year. We know the Vikings are going to use, I mean, they used a bunch of play action last year. I think Cleveland will do the same. And I agree, watching that Cleveland offense last year, it just was a shame that they didn't move Beckham around as much as I think they could have. I obviously think he was hurt last year as well, but I think that was a big part of why he wasn't as successful too. Yeah, anytime. Okay, so when it comes to guys being injured or being limited, I'm not going to even say injured, but um, being limited in what they can do because of a nagging injury, you have to become more creative. And we just didn't see that with the Cleveland Browns. And it it was frustrating. And for them to have, I think what's going to help them out as well is Austin Hooper and Njoku. If they can be healthy and you have a quarterback that knows, okay, my safety valves, when you're a young quarterback, your safety valves are your tight ends. If they're out there and I know, okay, I got those two guys out here or at least one of them out here that can make plays that I can dump, dump a pass through to that they have a radius a missed radius that is large, and then yeah. I have, and then I have two, 
smaller, but individuals that play big because of their catching ability and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, like it just exudes more confidence in your quarterback and it allows them to play on that. But I think they, they have to use that play action. They obviously they have the running game to do it. They have the running backs backs and back in Nick Chubb to do it. Uh, it's so you would think that that's going to be something that we're going to see coming out of Cleveland this year that is going to impact drastically how well uh, the the skill guys perform as well as Baker Mayfield. I feel like that whole operation in Cleveland is kind of a perfect post-hype sleeper team because everybody was on them last year, obviously, uh, and it didn't work out for mm-hmm. a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. I think one of the big reasons we're mentioning here is the lack of creativity, the lack of adjustment. That was what was so striking to me watching that Freddie Kitchens offense last year was just like you said, it seemed like they had a plan going into the year to be a lot like what they were during Baker Mayfield's great second half of his rookie season, a vertical passing game, a drop back offense, but they had that, they had the terrible offensive line and a receiver, like you said, who was playing at less than a hundred percent. It was just striking to see that they never changed Beckham coming into 2019 had never finished below the 98th percentile among all the receivers that I've charted since 2014 in success rate versus press and man coverage. Last year, he drops all the way down to like the 64th. So that's a huge drop off. And it's not just because, like you said, I think the injury is one thing, but I think the lack of creativity uh, is another one. So I'm personally uh, buying an Odell Beckham bounce back this year. And I'm glad to see Greg uh, give me a, some give me some points yeah. on that as well. So you, saw, you mentioned the Steelers, too. I think they're another fascinating offense to talk about because they've got a, a really nice set of young receivers there one to three you know Juju Deontay Johnson's a guy I expect to have a breakout year and Washington flashed flashed from a vertical perspective as well another guy great deep post route runner I think he can do a lot uh to to dictate coverages there too Juju is a guy to me that I think does need some of that scheming right some of those free releases that he had a lot of when Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger were popping off his first two years last year it felt like to me another guy that was probably hurt but really if Johnson and Washington break out this year, which I think I'm I'm buying that they both can, I think that's a, a really good signal for Juju as well. No question. Washington, in my opinion, is the guy that oh, okay. has to he has to burst. And the reason why is because he he's he's kind of filling that void of what Mike Wallace was where he just blew off the top, but he could make plays. He can run the the drags, the unders, and you get the ball in his hands, and he just runs. Juju needs a guy like that. Antonio Brown was that guy. Did he run a lot of routes? Absolutely. Was he a great route runner? Of course. Could you do any and everything with him? Yes, but he could also take the top off as well. And Ben knew that. Juju knew that. Juju's not that guy. He's he's a bigger physical guy that once he gets the ball in his hands, he can make a lot of things happen. But he's not the guy that's going to take the top off and just if you only have him. He's going to be good. He's going to he's going to make plays. If you put the ball where he can get it, he's going to get it. He's physical enough and he can catch the ball and he will go and get it. However, we've seen that it can't just be that. Yeah. Their success can't rely on Juju being everything without a second or third guy helping out taking some of that load off. And I think that's not only going to help Juju out, but it's going to help Ben out. 
yeah. Connor out. Like that is the that's always been the Pittsburgh way. They've always had that Antonio Brown, that one, that number one guy who you knew was going to get the opportunities, who was going to get the the ball. But then they always had a second or a third guy that just made, whether it was Heath at tight end, whether mm-hmm. it was someone at tight end, whether it was a, a secondary receiver, Juju was that guy for Antonio. Like they've always had that in their mix. Le'Veon Bell was kind of that guy right. as yeah. well in that receiver mix to take that pressure off. If they can get that production out of their two and three, they're going to be really good. And Washington has to be that guy. And I'm sure he's hearing it all offseason. It's yeah. time. It's time. It's your season. Let's go. Yeah, right. I mean, he led the team in receiving last year. Deontay Johnson led the team in targets last year as a rookie. And I think that it really is on those two guys because I, I, I have a similar philosophy with the receiver position like you mentioned is I think a guy like Juju can put up great numbers no matter what, like you said, can be good. But if you want to have a healthy offense running at its peak, I don't think you can just funnel it through that player. You need a deep threat like a Washington Mm -hmm. or a guy like Deontay Johnson, who I'm really high on as a route runner that can separate on the outside at all those different levels. And then you put Juju in that position. I think the Steelers offense is flying at that point. And if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, I think all of these guys are values at that point this year. No question. Think about, think about, uh, let's go to the Houston Texans of last year really quick. Yep. Think about DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody knows how special he is. And now he's with the Arizona Cardinals. But what did he have alongside of him, both with Kenny Stills and Fuller? Will Fuller, yep. Two guys that could just blow the top off, but also could run some inter- – They you have to be able to run some type of intermediate routes as well versus just being able to blow the top off, which Kenny Stills can do that a lot more than Fuller can, and is a lot more comfortable doing that than Fuller sure. is. But it creates so many more opportunities for for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, even though he's going to garner all the attention. Yeah, you have to you have to make sure you have some type of safety help or a good enough second or third corner that can cover those guys that can just blow the top off. And when I look at when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they can get that. And Ben Roethlisberger comes back healthy and they can get some production out of those two and three receivers, like you said, Johnson and Washington, that's the key for them. Yeah, you. we've got about 10 minutes left here, and we're going to talk a, a bit about what you're up to these days. But since you brought up the Texans, I got to <laughs> I gotta pick your brain about this because I think they are the hardest receiver core to figure out this year because you, you, you said it perfectly. They have – last year they could put defenses in such a bind, really the last couple of years, because you could – you know, double DeAndre Hopkins. You could shade guys over there because you know he's an elite player. But then you've got Will Fuller on, in single coverage, and he's going to have weeks where he puts up like 200 yards and <laughs> literally three touchdowns. Was it he scored against the Falcons? Like yeah. he wrote, he he will roast a team if you don't dictate or you don't put coverages that way. Now, obviously, Hopkins leaves in you know this trade that I don't think anybody can get behind. But what? <laughs> then you, you don't you're not behind that. Are you kidding? <laughs> Typically, I don't like to trade one of the best players at their position for uh, a running back. You know, it is what it is. Uh, But look, let's focus on the here and now. What's done is done. Bill O'Brien has done it. Um, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, 
Randall Cobb, former Packer there. Uh, they they have a lot of guys that like if you squint at it, this is a really interesting receiver core. But I honestly have no idea how the hell it's going to shake out because there's a lot of speed, some injury questions. But mm-hmm. how do you look at the, the Houston group and like what do you see happening there? You know what? They're they're a very eclectic group of guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one at, way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and the, the only thing that's troublesome to me about this group of guys is if you just line them up. Do they have that guy that consistently you can just say, you know what? He's going to create separation on every single route. He's going to win on every single route. He's going to be healthy the entire. And I know to throw health out there is one thing. But when you look when you look at the history of Brandon Cooks, when you look even at Randall Cobb and the number of games that he's missed and both of them combined, it, it. as well as Kenny Stills, as well as Will yeah, Fuller, all the, like all, all these, guys. these, all of these guys, and you look at what they do well. What they do well comes with a price, mm-hmm. and with Randall Cobb, he's at the p- place in his career where you definitely can't just run an offense through him. Yeah. Um, Brandon Cooks, if he's healthy, he's he's the key. Yeah. He's the key that can unlock this offense and allow them to reach this this place where we're like, even though I would still not have ever thought of trading DeAndre Hopkins, right. he could make you say, hmm, was this a, was this a good idea? Right. He could make you ponder that. Although, again, I would still not do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody uh, except Bill <laughs> O'Brien would have done it, but. Like I said, he like we've he's done it. It's it's happened, and now I think there is a chance. Like you said, if Cooks is healthy, this could be a really interesting receiver core because then they can get Fuller those single opportunities. I like Fuller. If, you know, he needs if he stays healthy is what we say every year. But if he stays healthy, he could have a big year if Cooks is mm-hmm. able to dictate some of those coverages on the other side. Greg, last thing here before we kind of wrap up. Uh, this is the you know typical time training camp where we start to hear players say. I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I'm, I'm, well, I've shed, I've, I've added 10 pounds of muscle. So I'm a running back that can handle every carry now. But let's not talk about those guys for a second. Let's talk about you because reportedly, uh, per, per, per the reports here, uh, you're, in the, you're, you're, in, you're in killer shape right now. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with you in terms of fitness and exercise and health and everything like that. Yeah, man, I'm in the best shape of my life, man. I could know. Uh, t- to be honest, um, you know, this was all prompted by my wife. She ran a marathon and something that was completely outside the box, not a runner. And she decided to do it. And I thought to myself, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, you know, it was bodybuilding that kind of emerged as kind of the front runner. And I, I just I jumped into it, uh, established the train a relationship with the trainer. And we set a plan and we executed it. And I was able to compete in my first event here in Minnesota, Mr. Minnesota. Um, And I I won that event, got my pro card. And what it's done, what I really identified that it did for me, it gave me that that space to of of where I could still be competitive, but in my own way. And it was against myself and not so much the the competitive competition that's physical but the competition that's mental like yeah. c- 
Can you be disciplined and mentally disciplined to uh, be regimented when you don't have to be? Right. And when no one's when you're not required to be or the expectations aren't there, can you still be disciplined and be at your best? And that is it's it's reawakening awakened this competitive drive in me to where it's it's really turned into a lifestyle. Now yeah. it's something that I just do and, and and it's not thought about. It's not like I have to grind to do it. It's mundane. It's redundant. But I've embraced every single day of it because I know what I'm after. And as long as I know what I'm after and I have a couple other events coming up and shows that I'm excited about because, and, and, and again, you alluded to it before we started talking about this topic, but I am in the best shape of my life. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not taking any hits, you know, and in, in, in for my first three years of retirement, I didn't lift a single weight. I was all body weight. Oh, wow. I didn't touch a single weight. I wanted my joints to be relieved of any type of pr- added pressure. And man, it's been it, it, my body kind of started to respond. It started to say, hey, what are you doing? My hamstrings started to tweak and my <laughs> yeah. ankles and everything started to kind of break down a little bit. And I knew my that was my body saying, wait, this is not the norm for us. This is yeah. not what we do. And I needed to do something. And it's been it's been great. I'm excited about it. It's created a a, a a discipline. It's I shouldn't say it's created a discipline. It's allowed me to re um, find it again. To, yes, and it's yeah. been it's been so fulfilling. I love two things you said there. Number one, that your wife kind of motivated you on this because I think having somebody in your life that can push you is like so crucial when it comes to fitness journey. Uh, and the second thing is is being self-motivated because right now in, you know, a lot of people are locked down quarantine. You need that. Um, I've actually gone through a, a fitness journey myself. I lost 200, I mean, excuse me, 100 pounds over the course of a few years. Uh, so that is awesome. I appreciate that. that. Is... <laughs> Thank you. But before we go, last thing here, if you had one piece of advice for whether it's somebody like me who has already started the journey and is continuing the journey or somebody that just wants to get started, with that lifestyle change, what would your one piece of advice be? My one piece of advice would be really to do what you can. And what I mean by that is we all become so enamored with what we see on social media and kind of someone else's journey and their transformation. Um, and, and we become inspired by that. Right. But we the mistake that so many make is, and I've gotten it, People have seen my transformation and said, man, send me your meal plan. Send me your workout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that is the complete opposite of what you want to do. You want to do what you, what's going to grab and capture your attention and then ignite you. Because I can use my daughter, for example. I told her to do what you can, honey. Like, I'm going to train you, but do what you can when it comes to your nutrition. Because that is everything. Yeah. I never once told her, hey, you're going to eat this. You're going to do this. She gradually started to notice, man, maybe I should do this. And if you do what you can, you will evolve and you will start to grab on to these things that you understand and become and you start to identify within yourself, within your own self-assessment and reflection and experiences that, you know what, that doesn't work for me. This works for me. 
It's not what someone else has shown or done. You might entertain it, but do it your way and do what you can do, not what somebody else says you should do. It's a perfect uh, piece of advice because what works for Greg Jennings, what works for Matt Harmon, what works for your favorite YouTube fitness Instagram influencer might not work for you. So wherever you are on the journey, find what works for you. Yes. Greg Jennings, thank you so much for joining to me. Joining me today. He's on Twitter at Greg Jennings. Anything else you want to mention or plug uh, for what you're up to this year, media wise, whatever floor is yours before we get out of here. No, man, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, shoot, I, I feel like I got some more work to do. You lost a hundred pounds in, <laughs> in the last year. Like I, I better, I better hit, hit the floor running and get my grind all the way together. That's impressive. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. I had a lot to lose. So that makes you might have just a little bit less to lose than I did when I was like 315, 320. But anyways, Greg, thanks Still so much for mindset. stopping by. It is every day is a mindset, my friend. Yes, that is, indeed. That is the truth. Well, that is all for us today. Uh, if you're looking for more podcasts from Yahoo Sports, we have a lot of options for you. There's some fantasy baseball action with Scott Pianowski on the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Make sure you check out the Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. And there's a lot of upheaval in the college football world right now. So make sure you're listening to the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We'll be back on Monday with a new guest and Scott Pianowski. We are out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.